With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Greetings, Ram fans. Welcome to to episode 74 of Rams Up, less than two weeks away from our one-year anniversary. And I will add that every year we have done this podcast, the Rams have reached the Super Bowl. And coincidentally, less than two weeks away from that Super Bowl, the fifth Super Bowl featuring our Rams. Man, oh man, is it a great time to be a Los Angeles Rams fan. What's on tap today, our first segment, we're going to review that Ram 49er game, go over some things I missed, going to share snap counts and pro football focus grades. Then we're going to have a little fun at the 49ers expense, a segment dedicated to some bad looks by the 49ers and the 49er family. And then we're going to wrap things up with an early look at the Super Bowl and notes relating to the Super Bowl next week. Most likely Wednesday morning, we will drop our Super Bowl preview of the Rams and Bengals. No Monday morning drop. Just wait for that midweek drop where we'll do our preview like we have all season long. There's a possibility that could slip to Thursday depending on how much is happening on the Super Bowl front, but look for it Wednesday or Thursday morning. Before we get started, hey, you longtime listeners, No, I struggle with names. Not a good trait for a podcaster, I know, but I did it again last week. I think I did it a number of times. On that particular podcast, George Kittle was Greg Kittle. I don't know how that happened. That's just me being me. But but we can forget about George Kittle and Greg Kittle, whoever that is. They're both probably in Cabo by now. I had one listener so confused. He was Googling Greg Kittle making sure he had it right. Tom Brady, the retirement is official. And by the way, he finishes his career with a 5-4 and four record against the Rams. He lost his last three, all with Tampa Bay. And this Brian Flores debacle. You know, I'm not going to comment on it because 
I don't know what happened, and I don't think anyone does at this point. I'm telling you, this could be a big problem for the NFL and especially the Miami Dolphins, if any of this is true, and the New York Giants and Bill Belichick muddying up the waters. Hopefully, it doesn't take some of the luster away from this Super Bowl. And welcome to the world, the Washington Commanders. I'm okay with that name. I kind of liked the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders, derived from the Commander-in-Chief, I assume. We obviously haven't had time for Lakers, Dodgers, Kings, Ducks, or anything else, really. Just too much good stuff going on with the Rams. I did want to mention a couple of things about USC football, though. DeAndre Moore, the number 11 prospect in the 2023 class and the number one wide receiver, has decommitted from Oklahoma. He's out of La Mirada High School. A lot of good prospects coming out of there. I would fully expect Moore to commit to USC at some point. And Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback, who was in the transfer protocol already, has announced he is going to USC. In fact, he's already in class there. Hey, I got some good stuff sent to me by Twitter handle at RamsBeat. He noted that I had criticized the Rams for running on first down too much, and he did some research. I'm talking specifically about this most recent 49er game. When the Rams ran on the first down of a series, that was 15 times in this game, those series were converted into first downs 13 times, 87%, 13 out of 15. When they started a series with a pass play, it dropped to 11 out of 15, 73%. So maybe I was wrong on that. I, I didn't see us getting a lot of yardage on first down running the ball. Maybe it didn't matter. Apparently it didn't in this case. They were actually more likely to get a first down if they started the series with a run. So there you have it. And another thing at Rams Beat shared with me, that Niner game, the defense was on the field for 51 snaps, by far their fewest of the season. They've been averaging 66 snaps. In the two previous games against San Francisco, they were out there for 68 and 70 snaps, the highest 82 at Green Bay. And another thing at Rams Beat shared with me, I saw this a couple of other places after the game, the Rams really changed it up, how they defended the run in this game. What the Rams did was they abandoned the too high light box scheme in favor of a heavy box with a controlled gap blitz. So the Rams were filling gaps and holding them, preventing cutback runs that the Niners previously have really thrived on. Now, it reduces your opportunities as far as getting to the quarterback, but it really clamps down on their running game. And one of the things they did was when someone was in motion, for example, George Kittle, not Greg George, the Rams would blitz through that gap that was created. As Kittle said himself, they just sent their linebackers downhill, or if they're in man coverage, the safeties would just blitz through if they were guarding me. Trent Williams noted it too. He said they flooded the box. He pointed out that the Niners are known for coming in and running the ball, and they've done that against the Rams a couple of games, just marching up and down the field. So Williams was not surprised the Rams changed it up, and he thought that was a big key to them winning the game, switching it up on the Niners, taking away that run game. Now, if you want to see what they're talking about, hopefully you guys have this game taped. Go back to the fourth quarter with about 11.20 left. The Niners have just picked up nine yards on first down, and Troy Aikman is going on and on. The Niners are starting to feel it with the running game, and they're going to start hammering the Rams. They line up second and one, and the Rams have... Nine guys in the box, Floyd, 
Aishan, Greg Gaines, AD and Oko on the line, DW, Weddle, Jones and Reader not far behind them, and Nick Scott playing a true safety position with Jalen hanging out on the right side covering, I think it's Ayuk. And on that play, Eric Weddle, knowing they're going to run it, knifes through and makes the tackle for a loss. Sets up a third and two. On the following play, the Rams even go heavier. Oko is out. Miller is in. D. Will is up on the line of scrimmage, covering Ayuk. Ramsey, Weddle, Jones, and Reeder are all close to the line of scrimmage behind the defensive lineman. And Nick Scott still playing a true safety position. And on this play, Trent Williams goes in motion from left to right. Leonard Floyd goes low and takes him down. Ends up being inconsequential because Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson just eat up that Niner offensive line and tackle the fullback for a loss, setting up that fourth and two. That was the play that McVay ended up challenging. The 49ers came up, acted like they were going to go for it, and punted. So go back and check out those two plays, and there's probably others where you can find examples of this Rams strategy to stop the 49er running game. And I have to tell you, you know, when I'm watching these games real time, I'm a bit stressed. I don't get full enjoyment out of these games. I don't get total value, that's for sure. But when I go back and watch these a few days later, man, I get jacked up watching these guys. This team is so talented. Jalen Ramsey whispering to Eric Weddle before the snap with Vaughn Miller and A.D. and Greg Gaines in front of them, Leonard Floyd. Wow, it's a lot of fun. A lot more fun watching it a few days later than it is in the heat of the moment. And by the way, the Rams are really well represented on Twitter, and we really need to start following each other and these guys that post good stuff. At Ramsbeat is one of them. Really recommend following him. You can follow me at at podcast rams up and if you share good stuff with me on twitter or via email i will get it on this podcast and how about the viewership of that nfc championship game featuring two california teams it drew 50.23 million making it one of just 11 non-super bowls to hit the 50 million mark since the last episode of seinfeld a lot of people watching that game and they were treated to a good one. And someone did some math. Now, Kelly Stafford, somewhere, I think on her own podcast perhaps, kind of got into how many tickets she bought and how much they cost. Now, she didn't put a specific number on it, but if you did some reasonable math on the data she provided, we can take an educated guess that she spent $250,000 on tickets and spread them around to Rams fans. So, Kudos to her. I don't care what you say. I think she's awesome. She's become one of the biggest boosters of the Los Angeles Rams, and I love it. We'll be back in a minute with some more notes from that Ram Niner game. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 
and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements in state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Let's take a look at what I had to say about the Niner game in the previous episode and add on some extra information. In my Coach's Corner segment, I should have called out those challenges by McVay. Neither of them were advisable. But in the heat of the moment, maybe the spot on Stafford's keeper was worth the challenge. I don't know, since we were going to hand the ball over to them. But watching that real time, I didn't think he was going to win either one of them. And on my list of the 11 big plays of the game, I did not include that 30-yard completion to OBJ and then the 15-yard penalty tacked on for the hit by Jimmy Ward. The Rams were down 17-14 to at the time. This was a drive that resulted in the tying field goal. 45-yard gain should have been on my list. And another play that should have been on that list was on the game-winning drive, that screen play to Cooper Cup. Man, that pass. It was a short pass, but man, was it a dime. Extremely accurate, and Cup did his thing. On the Monday morning episode, I kind of copped out, said there were so many big plays on those last two drives. Wasn't going to itemize them. Those two, the pass to OBJ and that pass to Cup, should have been called out specifically. Hey, and I encourage you to go back and look at that flea flicker. When Akers took that handoff, the 49ers had four men rushing and another six within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. When Akers pitches it back, the four guys continue the rush. The other six basically turn their backs on the line of scrimmage and retreat, high-tailing it downfield to help in coverage. As Blanton catches the ball, Havenstein and Allen have slipped out, neither causing a flag because if they get too far downfield, it's an illegal man downfield. So they were good at keeping within two yards of the line of scrimmage. They form a wedge, and as Blanton starts his run with the ball, There doesn't appear to be a 49er within 15 yards of him. Rams really took advantage of the quickness of the Niners there and how well they react. Beautifully designed play. And I wanted to give some kudos to Nick Scott. I've done that a couple times already, but this is his contribution in the playoffs. We're going to talk about big plays here. That big hit on A.J. Green in the wildcard game. And on the next play, David Long gets the pick six. Nick Scott had a pick of Brady in Tampa Bay, and then 
he had that big hit on Debo. Nick Scott has arrived. I was so worried when Rapp and Fuller went down. Our safeties have been playing lights out. And how about this? Before Sunday, teams down 10 points or more entering the fourth quarter had 9 wins and 302 losses. Now it's 10 wins and 302 losses, thanks to the Rams' comeback. And all that talk about the Rams with no draft equity and all the trades they've made, yet they have more drafted players on the roster than any NFL team, and they are number six in the league as far as homegrown players go. Even Stan Kroenke was talking about that after the game. Guy's pretty knowledgeable, obviously keeps in touch with Les and Sean in that interview He talked about how the Rams have been so good at identifying, drafting, and developing mid to late round guys. And he specifically referred to Nick Scott, a seventh round pick. You probably all heard this, the agreement to send Stafford from Detroit to the Rams for Jared Goff. January 30th, 2021, 6.45 p.m. Pacific Time, and Confetti Lens, at SoFi Stadium, January 30th, 2022, 6.45 p.m. And Cooper Cup, we've got to talk more about this guy, right? He passes Michael Irvin's record with his 13th 100-yard receiving game in a season, 11 catches, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Micah Parsons of the Cowboys shouting out, Cooper Cup has been the best player in the NFL, and it hasn't been close. Hey, Micah, thanks for that. And I should have mentioned last week, Pro Football Writers Association named Cooper Cup the 2021 Offensive Player of the Year. What has he done so far? Well, regular season, 145 catches, 1,947 yards, 16 TDs. In three playoff games, 25 catches, 386 yards, 4 TDs, Add that up, 170 catches, 2,333 yards, and 20 TDs. And teams are trying to stop him. Some pro football focus grades from that Ram game. I remember how badly our offensive line played in the last matchup between these two teams. Well, Rob Havenstein, 90.1, facing off with Joey Boza. Austin Corbett, 74.7. His number in Week 18 was in the teens. Cub 84.3, Stafford 82.9, OBJ 81, an often overlooked guy, Ashawn Robinson 79.1, Oko, I know most of you like to call him Obo, 76.3, Trevin Howard, our seventh round pick, 73.3, Jalen Ramsey 73, Kendall Blanton 61 snaps, 71.4, and Eric Weddle. 91 on run defense. This is the game where his true value showed. And by the way, Oko, a fifth round pick. Snap counts, no real surprises. Van Jefferson, who was questionable, ended up being in on 67 out of 77 snaps. Akers got a little banged up, so Michelle had 44 snaps, Akers 30. Ben Skalronik, 21 snaps. Tyler Higby left after 14 snaps. The Rams added an extra lineman a couple of times. That was Coleman Shelton and Jake Funk got in for the three victory formation snaps. On the defensive side, we had our four secondary guys out there for all 51 snaps. Troy Reeder missed two snaps, as did Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines. 
No real surprises other than that. Justin Holland, seven snaps. Marquise Copeland, seven as well. Ernest Jones getting spun back up, 22 snaps. That's 43%. It'll be interesting what they do with Trevin Howard, Ernest Jones, and Troy Reader in the Super Bowl. Might not be enough snaps to go around. I'm going to talk about this more in detail probably after the Super Bowl, after the Rams parade through downtown. Would that be Los Angeles or Inglewood? Hmm. But next year, the NFC quarterback situation could be pretty dismal, especially when compared to the AFC situation. The AFC's got some studs. Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr's not too shabby. Will Aaron Rodgers end up in Denver? Guys like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, all on the rise, potentially. I mean, they got some guys that are average to mediocre. Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, Tua. But then you go over to the NFC side. Tom Brady has retired. Aaron Rodgers, is he on his way out? Is he going to Denver? Is Russell Wilson leaving? If Russell Wilson leaves, he could end up still in the NFC. But so you got Stafford, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. Those are the top three guys. And after that, a lot of question marks. I've always loved Matt Ryan, but is he at that level still? Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Jordan Love, perhaps the starter in Green Bay, Trey Lance, potentially the starter in San Francisco. Who's the starter in Carolina, Tampa Bay, Seattle, if Russell leaves? Who's going to be the quarterback for the Washington Commanders? A lot of question marks. And then there's a wild card. And then there's a wild card, Deshaun Watson. Not sure what to say about him. And of course, Jimmy G, where does he end up? Going to be a lot of quarterbacks on the move, I think. And I wanted to share this thought. If I told you last January that the Rams would win the NFC Championship behind Matthew Stafford's two TDs, OBJ's 113 yards receiving, and Eric Weddle and Vaughn Miller would combine for 10 tackles, you probably would have called me crazy. We'll be back with our second segment, which I am going to title, It's a Bad Time to Be a 49er Fan. And then after that, a segment dedicated to looking forward to the Super Bowl, Not going to be a preview of the game quite yet, but just some early thoughts on the game. After posting my last episode, I felt a little bad about how Hard, I came down on 49er fans, calling them the worst. And then I saw a couple things that, you know what? Not going to apologize. This whole thing with Andrew Whitworth and his wife and Joe Staley, a really bad look for a 49er, a specific 49er, that being Joe Staley, of course. So Melissa Whitworth had posted a message on Twitter saying, Hey, Ram fans, if you're interested in selling your tickets to the game, Please don't sell them to 49er fans. And Joe Staley, the retired 49er offensive lineman, one of the best to ever play the game, responded to her tweet, copying all of her text and just changing the last couple of words, of course, saying, hey, 
Southern to 49er fans, please. Now, you know, if that was just a fan, I guess it's okay. But a, a retired player, basically this falls into the category of trolling, in my opinion. And then, of course, a lot of 49er fans were responding as well with some really nasty comments. Andrew Whitworth bit his tongue until after the game, that is. But when he finally had something to say, he had some pretty powerful words for Mr. Staley. You can go out and find what he posted all over the internet. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but basically saying, dude, you're a player. I respect the guys that came before me, and I respect the guys that are going to come after me. We all fought battles in the trenches, and no matter what team you root for, that respect has to be sustained. And furthermore, going after a player's wife, trolling a player's wife, such a bad look. But I'm not going to rehash this anymore. You can all do your own homework if you want to read more about it. Because Melissa Whitworth has asked everyone to move on. Andrew has deleted his post. So apparently Staley and Whitworth have worked it out and moved on. Still a bad look for the 49ers, especially for those wonderful 49er fans who posted on Melissa Whitworth's thread. Before I get to more sad 49er news, I do want to mention that Fred Warner sort of apologized for his hit on Stafford, admitting it was a bad look. So kudos to him. I still suspect he will get a hefty fine. I don't think it warrants a suspension as some people have suggested, but at least he apologized. And another bit of sad 49er news, Jeff Garcia. Wow. Y'all knew who Mina Kimes is, one of the most respected sports commentators around. So likable, very intelligent, currently working for ESPN. Ram fans, of course, know her from the preseason games. She's in the booth for those. So last week, Mina came out and said that the 49ers had won their first two playoff games with quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, but not because of him. Now, I hear comments like this pretty often about Jimmy. I heard similar comments regarding Jared Goff coming from all quarters. Who hasn't mocked Jared Goff and who hasn't came down on Jimmy Garoppolo? So someone shared Mina's comments with Jeff Garcia, and he came back and said, how can you criticize Jimmy Garoppolo? You have never put on an NFL uniform. You don't know what it's like to stand back there under all that pressure. He's basically saying Mina's out of her swim lane. Having never played the game, she can't make comments like that. So this is what Jeff Garcia walked into here. Would he have said that if it had been a male sports reporter making that comment? I suspect not. I'm sure he's seen these comments before about Jimmy. And a lot of people are coming after him, saying it's a little bit sexist. A female reporter criticizes Jimmy, and you're going to have issues with that. Now, he didn't specifically say, hey, you're a woman, you haven't played the game. But I think we could take an educated guess and deduce that was the case that if that had been a male reporter, he might not have said the same thing. So then he gets invited onto this Bay Area sports talk show, Steiny and Guru, and they were going to talk about the game and the comments, and Garcia had a full-blown meltdown and eventually hung up. And Steiny and Guru, to their credit, basically just said to Garcia, look it, if you say it had nothing to do with the fact that she was a woman, maybe just apologize to Mina and say, hey, Mina... 
I apologize if this came across as being sexist and I was making this comment strictly because you are a woman. That's not the case. Maybe throw some kind words at her. I mean, if you really feel that the only people that should be making comments about quarterback player are former quarterbacks, how ludicrous is that? Just come out and say it and say, Mina, sorry if I sounded like I was attacking you and specifically because you're a woman, that's not the case. And Garcia refused. And that meltdown continued and eventually hung up. And then, of course, after Garoppolo's own meltdown against the Rams, Garcia privatized his Instagram account and deleted his Twitter account. That's all he had to do was say, hey, I'm sorry if that came across as sexist. I wasn't attacking Mina because she's a woman. Only male and females that have played the game should be criticizing Jimmy G. Again, ludicrous. And Mina, I'm sorry if it came across that way. That was not my intent. The fact that he refused to apologize might tell you something about Jeff Garcia. And regardless of where you come down on this particular subject, gotta enjoy the sight of a former 49er squirming. As much as I enjoy talking about the 49ers when they're down, I will abstain from that for a while, unless, of course, they give us something more to talk about. Before we get into some early Super Bowl thoughts, a few things I wanted to share with you. We are now listed on Feedspot.com. Thank you, Feedspot, for finally getting us listed as an L.A. Rams podcast. Appreciate it. And I should have mentioned it earlier. Last week I was on the IOW Sports Network. That's I Often Wonder Sports Network out of North Carolina. They had me on to talk about, at the time, the upcoming Ram 49er game. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully they'll have me back sometime. And I wanted to revisit my game picks Lorenzo Reyes of USA Today, Mike Florio, and I all went 1-1. One one. We all picked the Chiefs and the Rams. Pete Prisco went 0-2. Oh he went rogue and picked the 49ers. Quick injury update. Tyler Higby apparently has avoided significant damage. Jury's still out on whether he's going to be ready for the Super Bowl. Sean McVay has not closed the door on Sebastian Joseph Day, Daryl Henderson, and Robert Rochelle. They could all be back. If Cam Akers can't make it, Daryl Henderson will be needed. Akers still nursing that shoulder injury. Taylor Rapp is looking better, but not a sure thing he'll be back. And here's a question for you. I'm a big fan of Taylor Rapp. I like him more than most. I think he's been a little disappointing in the big play category. That's what we are expecting out of him. He had a knack for that in college. But if Rapp can go, do you bench Weddle or Nick Scott? I don't think so. And Super Bowl standings. Rams have a chance to make some headway here. Now, you remember I had a pet peeve a while back, calling out a lot of sites for how they figure out their Super Bowl standings. What they do is they take the team with the most wins. They're in first place, obviously. But if three teams are tied with, let's say, two wins, the one that has the best winning percentage out of them is ranked higher. So for example, a team like the 1 in 3 Rams would be behind a team that has only been to the Super Bowl once and won that game. Kind of silly if you ask me, but as far as appearances go, 
Patriots have been there 11 times, Steelers, Cowboys, Broncos, 8, 49ers, 7, and the Rams, Washington football team, Packers, Dolphins, Giants, and Raiders will now all have five appearances. See what I did there? I I finally got used to saying the Washington football team, and now I got to say the Washington Commanders. Get retrained all over again. Now, if you do the standings the way I think it should be done is three points for a win, one point for a loss. The Rams stack up a little bit better than the way some of these people calculate their standings. Probably heard it by now. The Rams are the visiting team, but will use their usual locker room. They will call the coin toss. Seven straight losses for teams that have won the coin toss. Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless had Eric Dickerson on their Undisputed show. Skip Bayless, one of the premier Ram haters out there, or is it LA hater? I'm not sure. And Dickerson was on a roll trashing Skip and his devotion to the Dallas Cowboys, and they ended up making a $500 bet. I think Dickerson finally agreed to the Rams winning by 21. I think that's how that went down, but that'll be a fun show to watch after the Rams win. I was thinking about that geo map that eventually is going to come out. Uh, a few sites do this, showing the country and what part of the country is rooting for each team. And and I suspect you may only see Detroit and Los Angeles rooting for the Rams, but that's okay. Rams are quickly becoming one of the more disliked teams, and that's a good thing. Bengals have chosen their black jerseys, even though White has won 14 of the last 17 Super Bowls, and the Rams, as you have all probably seen by now, have opted for their modern throwbacks, which seem to be the most popular uniform among Ram fans. I kind of lean towards the bone, but that's just me. I really don't care what uniforms they win in. It's interesting how the odds have evolved. Let me quote one professional better. I was planning to bet LA at minus four or less. My power ratings have LA five and a half better than Cincinnati on a neutral field, even if you're on a low end of home field advantage and at only one and a half points, that makes my true number Rams at minus seven. So imagine my surprise when the books hung Rams minus three and a half on the open. So what has happened is big money bets, professional bets, at least one six-figure bet quickly came out in favor of the Rams. It moved to minus four. It moved to minus four and a half. And reading this article, what they are expecting is a lot of public money, usually not the smart money, is going to come in late on the Bengals. But don't expect that point spread to change. Five and five and a half point spreads are dead money, as they call, kind of pointless. And they're not going to give the Rams six, six and a half or seven. That's just not going to happen. And my special assistant who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous, he pointed out something and I 100% agree with him. How much better would it be to have some sharps on that pregame show talking about these types of things and how these odds evolve and why they're betting the way they're betting rather than these guys like Terry Bradshaw clowning around in their silly hats? Don't expect to see that. I guess a lot of people like Terry. Uh, not so much here. Usually don't even watch. Our next drop will be midweek next week, Wednesday or Thursday morning. 
The reason for the uncertainty, I really want to see how these injuries pan out, and the longer I wait, the more accurate my information will be. It will probably be Wednesday morning. We're going to put a lot of time and research into a real Ram Bengal preview, as comprehensive as we can make it, and that will be, of course, our final drop before the Super Bowl. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.